Day 18 of 365, The Bible Challenge with Abby Joy. Psalm 10, verses 12 to 18. Arise, O Lord, punish the wicked, O God. Do not ignore the helpless. Why do the wicked get away with despising God? They think, God will never call us to account. But you see the trouble and the grief they cause. You take note of it and punish them. The helpless put their trust in you. You defend the orphans. Break the arms of these wicked, evil people. Go after them until the last one is destroyed. The Lord is king forever and ever. The godless nations will vanish from the land. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed. So mere people can no longer terrify them. Matthew chapter 13 verses 18 to 35. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60 or even a 100 times as much as had been planted. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No. He replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. 
Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like this when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Genesis chapter 36 verse 1 to chapter 37 verse 36. This is the account of the descendants of Esau, also known as Edom. Esau married two young women from Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and Oholibamah, the daughter of Anna, and granddaughter of Zibion the Havittite. He also married his cousin, Basimath, who was the daughter of Ishmael and the sister of Nebaioth. Ada gave birth to a son, named Eliphaz for Esau. Basimath gave birth to a son named Reuel. Oholibamah gave birth to sons named Yeush, Yalam and Korah. All these sons were born to Esau in the land of Canaan. Esau took his wives, his children and his entire household along with his livestock and cattle, all the wealth he had acquired in the land of Canaan and moved away from his brother Jacob. There was not enough land to support them both because of all the livestock and possessions they had acquired. So Esau, known as Edom, settled in the hill country of Seir. This is the account of Esau's descendants, the Edomites, who lived in the hill country of Seir. These are the names of Esau's sons, Eliphaz, the son of Esau's wife Ada, and Reuel, the son of Esau's wife Basimath. The descendants of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam and Kenaz. Timnah, the concubine of Esau's son Eliphaz, gave birth to a son named Amalek. These are the descendants of Esau's wife, Ada. The descendants of Reuel were Nahath, Zerah, Shammah and Mizah. These are the descendants of Esau's wife, Basimath. Esau also had sons through Oholibamah, the daughter of Anna and granddaughter of Zibion. Their names were Yeush, Yalam and Korah. These are the descendants of Esau, who became the leaders of various clans. The descendants of Esau's oldest son, Eliphaz, became the leaders of the clans of Teman, Omar, Zepho, Kenaz, Korah, Gatam and Amalek. These are the clan leaders in the land of Edom, who descended from Eliphaz. All these were descendants of Esau's wife, Ada. The descendants of Esau's son, Reuel, became the leaders of the clans of Nahath, Zerah, Shammah and Mizah. These are the clan leaders in the land of Edom, who descended from Reuel. All these were descendants of Esau's wife, Basimath. The descendants of Esau and his wife Oholibama became the leaders of the clans of Yeush, Yalam and Korah. 
These are the clan leaders who descended from Esau's wife, Oholibama, the daughter of Anna. These are the clans descended from Esau, also known as Edom, identified by their clan leaders. These are the names of the tribes that descended from Seir, the Horite. They lived in the land of Edom. Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anha, Dishon, Ezer and Dishan. These were the Horite clan leaders, the descendants of Seir, who lived in the land of Edom. The descendants of Lotan were Hori and Hemam. Lotan's sister was named Timna. The descendants of Shobal were Alvan, Manahath, Ebal, Shepho and Udam. The descendants of Zibion were Aya and Anna. This is the Anna who discovered the hot springs in the wilderness while he was grazing his father's donkeys. The descendants of Anna were his son, Dishon, and his daughter, Oholibama. The descendants of Dishon were Hemdan, Eshban, Ithran, and Keran. The descendants of Ezer were Bilha, Zavan, and Akan. The descendants of Dishan were Uz and Aran. So, these were the leaders of the Horite clans. Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Aha, Dishon, Ezer and Dishan. The Horite clans are named after their clan leaders who lived in the land of Seir. These are the kings who ruled in the land of Edom before any king ruled over the Israelites. Bela, son of Beor, who ruled in Edom from his city of Dinahabah. When Bela died, Jobab, son of Zerah from Bozrah, became king in his place. When Jobab died, Hushham from the land of the Temanites became king in his place. When Hushham died, Hadad, son of Bedad, became king in his place and ruled from the city of Avith. He was the one who defeated the Midianites in the land of Moab. When Hadad died, Samla from the city of Masreka became king in his place. When Samla died, Shaul from the city of Rehoboth on the river became king in his place. When Saul died, Baal-Hanan son of Akbor became king in his place. When Baal-Hanan, son of Akbor, died, Hadad became king in his place and ruled from the city of Pau. His wife was Met-Heb-Tebal, the daughter of Matred and granddaughter of Mizehab. These are the names of the leaders of the clans descended from Esau who lived in the places named for them. Timna, Alvah, Jetheth, Oholibama, Elah, Pinon, Kenaz, Temman, Mibzar, Magdiel, and Iram. These are the leaders of the clans of Edom, listed according to their settlements in the land they occupied. They all descended from Esau, the ancestor of the Edomites. So Jacob settled there, again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. 
This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers and sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpha. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, moon and eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father, as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flock at Shechem. When they'd been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph travelled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? he asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here. But I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognised him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard their schemes, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So, when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain by killing our brother? 
we'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for twenty pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Some time later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. But when he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone! What will I do now? Then the brothers killed the young goat and dipped Joseph's robes in it, in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognised it immediately. Yes, he said. It's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard.